What's up? What's up? It's time for episode 21 of Believe in Queens. I'm Joe Serralo, joined as always by the rest of the crew, Tyler Ward at Wardy NYM and the former Met himself, Anthony Recker, here for the 21st episode of the show because Anthony missed episode 20. He missed the Recker episode because there was yeah. apparently a fantasy football draft that night that you all already know about. Well, you know, look, let's let's get into this first, okay? I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to throw blame on anybody. Um I was tired. I was really tired before the draft even started. Draft started at 10:45. We got guys on the West Coast in the league, you know, it's it's the Mets league. I got a lot of former, you know, well everyone's a former Met, really. Uh, top and secret so, former Met league. Top secret former Met league. Everyone was, you know, everyone played with with me or coached me or you know whatever. Like just great group of guys though. Love the group. So drafts is supposed to start at 10.45. Well, uh, Frank Viola is in the league. I'm throwing names out there. I shouldn't have. I'm doing it. You <laughs> just name-dropping like the best guy too off the bat. <laughs> not not name-dropping. I'm just going to throw Frank under the bus because Frank, you know, calls – who did he call? I think he called – did he call Satin or – no, he called Thornton. Zach Thornton says, Thornton, you got to tell Wrecker I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I'm not, I'm not home yet. I'm trying to get home. So I get a call or get a text from Thornton. Hey, Frank's going to be five, ten minutes late. Okay, whatever. So draft gets pushed back. I have to pause it a couple times, right? I'm the commissioner. So that's another reason that mm. that was a, you know, it, it all fell on my shoulder. So, you know, I, it, it, it's whatever. Anyway, five, 10 minutes goes by, start the draft. Frank's there. Great. About three or four rounds in, Frank's like, I didn't pick that guy. I didn't pick that guy. Okay, Frank. So pause the draft. I just keep going. Okay, we keep going. But four or more rounds go by. What I don't remember how many. Three, four more rounds go by. Oh, I didn't pick that guy either. I didn't pick that guy. <laughs> I'm like, what is good? So I paused the draft and I'm like, what's going on, guys? I literally got everybody on the phone. I did the group call. I have oh, wow. 10 guys on the phone, including myself. And I'm like, what, what's going on, fellas? And Frank's talking, you know, he's saying, I can't draft him. I'm trying to draft him. Not let me just he's a little older. He doesn't know technology. He's struggling. Okay. <laughs> then I get I get I get Jerry Blevins on there telling me that. That he hates the draft board, the way it looks, and we wants to go to a different one. And I'm like, guys, what do you like? We are on here. We're in the draft. Like, we actually did a vote to see if we should redraft. And I was like, my mind was like, are we're we're really we're thinking about redrafting right now? We just drafted. We're thinking like ten rounds. We're thinking about redrafting. So another twenty minutes has gone by. The draft has been on pause the whole time. Finally, I get enough. Like I tell everyone, like, all right, we're gonna vote, but you guys can text me. I don't want it over this. I don't want anyone feeling pressure. Of course, everyone's like, like, not everybody, but most of the guys are like, we're not redrafting. So, yeah, we finish the draft. It's like twelve thirty at night. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And obviously, you guys had probably already taped. And yeah, so I apologize. I should have been here, but sometimes, you know, like stuff happens, and I have to be the adult, and that's when it's bad. <laughs> and I have to be the adult. You know I'm dealing with nine little children, basically. It wasn't good. And, yeah, I'm going to throw them under the bus because wait, wait, they deserve it. When you've got Frank Viola in there, you have to be the adult. Then <laughs> things are really getting bad. Oh, <laughs> there's, no mistaking, there's no mistaking that when Frank's around, he's not the adult. I can promise you that. If Very you know Long Frank, Island. Very Long he's Island. Not yet. And he is not the adult. He's great. I, 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 I'm, I'm making fun of these guys a little bit. I love every single one of them, and it's my favorite league I'm in. It's a keeper league. It's so much fun. But – yeah, it, I, I feel like the dad way too often. So but before we get this ad read in there, because I believe I have a minute to do it to make sure we get paid, who is the most likely guy? <laughs> just I mean, you know, I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it, guys. <laughs> Who's the most likely guy in this league to pull a Tommy fam and, uh, and come up to the commissioner and give him a little one of these? 
Ooh. Well, no yeah, one's hitting me. I can tell you that. Yeah, that um, that's true. <laughs> but if I had to guess, who's the most hot-headed? I mean, I want to say Carlos Torres because he's in this league. And, you know, we've all seen him kind of go to himself a few times, right? Like, he's a little bit he, – he's the nicest person. He's the nicest person away from the field and away from, like, getting in his own head. I don't, I don't know. None of them would do that. They're not – that's not their style. Guy, I most guess, guys are laid back off the field. I, I would have guessed Nice. Watching John Nice Nies out there, he always looked like he was fiery as hell on the bump. Fiery? What's – What's Nice going to do? Come on. John, I love you. <laughs> All right, man. Get a nice job. That's amazing. Hey, by the way, if all of you like fantasy football, just like Anthony and I do, you probably like betting on player props. So if you're looking for a place to go bet on some player props, do it with our proud sponsors at BetOnline. Head over to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 for your first time, one time, 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, folks. It's where the games begin. By the way, Wrecker, I love all the name dropping in that league. I mean, you know, just to keep up with it, I did beat former Panthers running back Jonathan Stewart today in our week one matchup in fantasy football. So, okay. And that was that was in the Corderell Stewart League. Do you have to be a Stewart to be in this league? How does Apparently, work? you know, it kept throwing me off because I'd see like our show or my team with Cordell Stewart is called Believe Me, which is the name of our betting show that we do together. Check it um, out, folks. Yeah, exactly. We just got picked up national TV in two weeks, guys. Can't wait. Ayo. And then Ayo. And then I look, and Jonathan Stewart's team name is Team Stewart. And so every time I open up the matchup, I think that I'm Team Stewart, and I think I'm getting my ass kicked. Then I remember <laughs> I'm the one doing the ass kicking. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. That's yeah, awesome. Simon, That's awesome. We've got a fun show ahead. We've got a Marlins series win recap. The Bats woke up. We're going to talk about a series that the Mets did not play in. The Mariners taking two out of three from Hotlanta. And then, of course, the Mets host the Cubbies these next three days. So let's dive in. Tyler, you have not spoken a lot. I know you're not a big football guy like Wreck and myself. So let's start with you. What hey, the most hey, impressive? My, my, my Steelers took He's a Steelers guy. one against the Bengals and probably yeah. the most real one of a game. Yes, we lost TJ Watt. And yes, I kind of want to die. But the Mets, I mean, not the Mets, the Steelers still got the win. I'm involved. I'm I did also have to explain to you that what plus seven and a half meant earlier yes, today. Yes, true. So, you know, Again, gotta, I'm not the betting expert the way that you are, in all fairness. That, that's well, hey, I, I'm not really a betting expert. I heard Rec was on fire with college football. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Yeah, so let's talk about that. My <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, Rec. No, no, no. I, I know that the guy who just says he's not a betting expert didn't just say that when he's going to be on national TV for a betting show in two weeks. No. I mean, based based on the way I did in the NFL today, I mean, true, you saw, true. You saw the bets I played. True. I had a teaser. I just needed the Colts to win by three. They miss a 42-yarder in overtime. It's like, oh, forget about it. Tyler, the most Colts, impressive. The Colts ended up tying? Is that it was a tie. tie. They, it was a tie. That's cool. Because they missed a 42-yarder in OT. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Tyler, most impressive thing that you saw from this uh, Mets-Marlins series? Most impressive thing has to be the bomb of the order for the Mets. For sure. I mean, from the catching side of things and Eduardo Escobar, I mean, I'll just throw out the numbers now before we break down a little bit more on the games. But Eddie Escobar, this series alone, phenomenal. I mean, this guy's been red hot. He looks like that meme if you guys have seen. I think it was from a Savannah Bananas game where a guy comes in for his at-bat with an actual bat that has fire on it. That's been Eddie, especially from the left side of the plate, continuing to beat the shift, do a phenomenal job. This series alone, Eddie – and not just the series, I should say, over his past nine games, has five home runs, and is batting roughly 
500. Had a couple home runs in this series as well. I mean, he's just red hot, and it couldn't come at a better time for a Mets team that has been looking for more consistent production at third base until Luis Gourmet returns, which will be soon. We'll get into later. But not only that, it was the catchers. I mean, Rec, you should appreciate this. Finally, the Mets are getting consistent offense from the catching position between Tomas Nito having his first season home run in which the Mets gave him the silent treatment. Buck, quote-unquote, said that it was cruel on how long they waited to celebrate Nito's home run, the final run of the game for the Mets in uh, the series finale. But him and McCann both gained the job done. As well, they batted 538 combined in this three-game set with three doubles, a home run, four RBIs, and four runs scored. That is what I'm happy about most in this series, not only with the offense breaking out in back-to-back games after a bad loss, but more than anything, just the depth of the lineup is really showing and is really helping a guy like Pete Alonzo, who's still not being as consistent as you want him to be, and some other guys towards the top of the lineup. So those are my biggest takeaways. The catchers are getting the job done, and Eduardo Westbar, Eduardo Escobombs, rather, simply cannot be stopped. I love it. I don't know if anyone's ever called him that before, but I love it. Let's get that on a Shout team shirt ASAP. Mark. He's the yeah, one let, let's get that on a believing queen shirt ASAP. Another shameless plug after the ad read earlier. Head over to shop.believe.com if you want to bring in Vogel back shirt like I'm wearing right now. Rick, that, that's not one of our shirts. What, what's the deal, man? Uh, is that like a two-tone shirt? Multicolors? I'm, I'm seeing some different Come on, guys. Of gray. I just got that out. I just got that working out. Okay? It's a little sweaty. What are you going to do? I love it. I love it. By the way, bottom of the lineup, that has been so huge because Brandon Nimmo, even though he's had, you know, I guess for his standards, a bit of a down year offensively, he's showing that if you give him guys on base and guys in scoring position, Nimmo is also a really good RBI threat, right? Like, don't be deterred because he's a leadoff hitter. Uh, Turning the lineup over and giving him chances to knock in runs, he's capitalized. We talked about this a few episodes ago when I was talking about last year's team, and I thought – well, last year, they should have moved Brandon Nimmo down in the order because he was the only one who was hitting. Everybody else struggled with runners on. Struggled with runners on. Well, Nimmo yeah. was leading off, and he didn't get enough chances. This guy, he he's just consistent. He goes out there and puts together the same ABs. So, yeah, if he got moved down in the lineup or if they needed him to, if the bottom of the lineup hits like this all the time, gets on base, he can drive in runs, and I love seeing that. For me, uh, I can only echo what Tyler said about the bottom of the order and the fact that Pete – He's relied on too heavily in this lineup, especially with the way they tend to situate the lineup. So Mm -hmm. to me, that bottom lineup coming through, Eddie hitting home runs, getting power from another source besides Lindor and Pete, uh, that's huge. The the Mets have to have that if they want to get – the ultimate goal is to win the World Series. They want to win the World Series. They're going to need guys to step up like that. I will also say the other thing that I I loved from the series, and this is just – look, the last two days – you got great starting pitching out of Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker. And it, you weren't sure when or if that was going to come the way that we've seen them their last couple outings or at least Cookie coming back lately. Um, you know, it just hasn't looked like the same guys, especially Taiwan. I mean, the second half, he's he struggled a little bit. Well, he dominated. I know this was a Marlins lineup. I get it. They're not very good. But I don't care. They went 13 innings. They gave up two earned runs. I think they punched out 16. Like, they looked really good between the two of them. So to me, that only enhances their chances. You know, when they get to the playoff time, when it comes to playoff time, I don't know. You know what's going to happen in this division. I do still think the Mets are going to take the division. Um, obviously, we saw here that when the Braves are going to face t- tougher competition, it's going to be. You know, look, they're not going to win every game, and the Mets just need to keep this kind of a pace going and win two out of three, win three out of three, and and I think they'll be fine. But if they don't, and they end up going the wild card route. It's not the end of the world. 
they have guys at the back end that can still pitch. And so if you end up going that three-game wild card, two games, three games, whatever, and you have to use some of your best pitchers, you don't have to fret because you still have guys that can step up in big situations. Yeah, Tyler, jump in. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up Taiwan Walker because something that a lot of fans maybe didn't initially realize is, let's not forget, Ty is a blister that he's dealing with right now. So that was a big question mark entering this start. How healthy was he going to be? How deep was he going to pitch? And I got to give a lot of credit to him because he had to change his pitch grips completely, especially with his split. He wasn't throwing it nearly as much. They said it pregame as well that his grips were different right now because they're trying to lessen the blow that is his blister. Was throwing a lot of the fast, but a lot of those right down the pipe. But again, he took advantage of a subpar Marlins team right now that's swinging and missing at an alarming rate. Tied his season high with 10 strikeouts. So it's great to see Ty have a dominant outing like this when you could argue Still doesn't even have his best stuff. So this is definitely a momentum thing for him going forward, a confidence builder rather. And hopefully as long as that blister gets better by the time he gets to his next starter. So then we'll see more of him kind of mixing up his pitches quite a bit up until eventually the Mets have tougher competition against, say, the Brewers and then eventually the Braves before the season's end. Yeah, and that was something that I had heard. Now, I missed today's Mets game, had a game of my own. And uh, I had heard that Ty like did not throw the splitter hey, time out, time out, time out. Joe, how'd the, how'd the game go? You're really you gonna make me. You're, you're gonna make yep. me brag. First yep. time you did it before, so I'm making you. Well, talk. that was an off-air thing. I mean, you know. Yeah, all right, all right, fine. I told him to mention it. So good job, Rick. <laughs> first time pitching in a competitive baseball game in three years since I was a senior in college, and uh, got to build up the stamina a little bit. But went five shutty, Ooh. five shutty, one hit, zero runs. Yeah, three walks though. Three walks. That's got to improve. And an HBP, but you know what? Hey. If you know what? If you're punching dudes out and you're and you're you you're getting that, I mean it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you only gave up one hit and five. You're allowed to walk guys if you do that. Your whip was yeah. still one, a one yeah, a whip. There you Solid. go. I mean, I'm practically the Grom, right? The Grom who? That's the real <laughs> question. Jesus. Yeah, me and my me and my four K is over five innings. Yeah, that's <laughs> practically the Grom. I, I will say this though, just and this is the last thing because I don't want to bore everyone with my own personal oh, victories. Uh but you know, all this talk about Ty and even Cookie implementing a splitter uh, made me about a month ago decide I was going to start working on my own splitter, and I got a punch out and a double play with it today. And uh, I like that pitch a hell of a lot. It's I, now I get I get the hype because I don't have a changeup, so I get the hype. But speaking of Ty, though, I heard he wasn't throwing the splitter today. Correct. And what was he really doing? I mean, you guys tell me. Like, was it? I, I heard it was like a healthy just diet of heaters was he working in a slider what, what was ty doing today because seven innings 10 k's i mean we haven't seen this since maybe like june out of walker yeah i mean the biggest thing was the heater that that was a thing and he got into some trouble he hung the slider at least once that led to um a base knock i'm not sure if that's what led to the one run for the marlins that he surrendered in this game but yeah ty was going heavy with the heater and again Something where I feel that, of course, if he's facing a better team, they would definitely execute because he was throwing a lot of them down the middle. The meatball is what led to the one run of the Marlins scored, which was a home run by, I um, believe, Brian Anderson. He had two Anderson, home runs right? in the yeah. game. Yeah, thankfully it didn't hurt the Mets, however. But, yeah, just really took advantage, again, of a Marlins team that he knew he was going to get a lot of swings and misses. And it was a good time for him to kind of, you know, lessen back, not really, really throw the splitty much at all. And then hopefully his next start will be able to be feeling better with his pitch grips. Hopefully the blister goes away, and we'll see more of diversity in his pitching arsenal. So Look, sometimes when you have yeah. to – sorry, Joe. Sometimes when you have to throw more fastballs, when something like this happens and you have to attack the zone more, good things happen because you forget 
you get confused, you get caught up in these, you know, uh, different game plans and, oh, we have to go at this guy. We can't throw fastballs here. We can't do this. Bull crap. Like this guy throws a good fastball. His first game as a Met, I'll never forget it. I think it was against this Marlins team. It was last year. And he comes out with a great four seam and a little comeback two seam. And the two seam got even better as the season went on in the first half, especially. But he was pumping like 97s in there with the four seam, freezing dudes, making them like swing and miss. Like when you realize that you have to go to it, you have to be more aggressive with it. All of a sudden, some of that can come back. So this can be one of those outings, especially if, you know, look, if that blister starts getting feeling a little better and he can start throwing the splitty again, great. But go at dudes with the heater. Establish that. That's what makes the off-speed better. You don't have to throw all fastballs. You don't have to throw fastballs in 2-0 counts. I'm not suggesting that you have to do things like that. But to be more aggressive with it, to have that mindset of, well, I have to throw it, so I better make a good one. Like, that just helps guys sometimes out there on the mound. And I think for Ty, especially a guy who can get caught up in five a five-pitch mix type thing, this can be a really good thing. I think you're spot on there, Rick. Look, sometimes guys lose control, they lose command, and, you know, they, they get very in their own head. And at the end of the day, it's like if you're not hitting your spots or, you know, if maybe you're off-speed stuff, that's usually your best stuff is getting hit. Like at the end of the day, I, I know it's not 101. You're not, they're not DeGrom, they're not Diaz, but 95 is still 95. And if you're hitting your spots and you're throwing strikes, it's, you know, Ty just kind of went, it sounds like he went mano a mano, like here it is, come and hit it. And, and he won that battle more often than not today. So... Last thing that I have on this Marlins series, looking at these pitchers, looking at Cookie, looking at Ty, I'm curious because they just both turned in back-to-back stellar performances. Where do you guys stand currently when it comes to a postseason rotation? I know we have almost a full month between now and then, but are you leaning one way or the other? Ty would probably be a more effective reliever, but just had a great start today. Where are you guys leaning as to who gets that fourth spot? Because Bassett's just completely solidified the three spots. Um, for me, that it really feels like a coin flip, but I would probably say it would go Jake, Max, Seabass, and then I, I feel like I want to favor Cookie. I, I feel like I really do want to favor Cookie there at the four and then Ty at the five right now, just because I need to see a little bit more from Ty. Yes, I know that Cookie's only had two outings coming back from his oblique injury, but I feel like Cookie is someone where he could be... A, a nice different balance of what you're getting right now in the rotation at the four spot. And then Ty again can either come in as a number five starter, be a long reliever if you need him to. I think for the Mets, it's going to be most important on just riding the hot hand on who's performing best in these final, you know, 22 now games left in the regular season. Um, so yeah, that that's just my personal opinion, but it definitely could change depending on how the next say week, week and a half of games go. So what do you think, Rick? To me, I would lean Ty, but what's, What's fun with what they have right now, uh, with the Mets, what the Mets have right now, because they have some depth in the starting rotation and you don't need five starters in the postseason, you can go with some kind of a combination of the two. It can be Ty for three and Cookie for three and tell them to go out there and just blow out. Blow out for three. Don't even think about going seven because you're not. We got a bullpen. We got you guys for six. We got this because we just had three guys go seven innings, which is realistic. Like that's something that can happen. And it's all going to be situational. It's going to depend on the team that they're playing. If you need a guy with good movement, good sinker, splitty, a lot of swing and miss, that's Ty. Cookie is more of a four seam. He's got a good, uh, he's got a good slider. He's got the change up. He's going to mix it up a little bit. I don't see him going deep into games in the postseason. That's not going to be his thing. To me, it's going to be more about 
Can we get some swing and miss with the four-seam fastball? Can we get some easy early ground balls, whatever it is, maybe some quick outs? But Ty's going to be the type of guy who can get ground balls, who can – it's going to depend on the matchups. Like I said, if you got a team that can go out there and, and you know, put the ball in the air, they hit a lot of home runs, I'd probably lean Ty. I don't know what the numbers are this year, but a lot of the time, Cookie tends to – he tends to give up deep fly balls. Not that Ty doesn't, but I just think if you give them like a, a three-and-three or a four-and-three type – Go out there and blow out. I think you're going to get really good results. Plus, you can even mix in if you want to. If you you talk about Peterson, you can talk about McGill, you can talk about all those. You know, like they have options. You know, I, I don't know that there's a great lineup in the postseason that's you know you, I would want a lefty out there starting a game. But if there is three guys in in an order somewhere that you think Peterson would be great against, and maybe they're at the top of the order. Maybe he starts a game. Maybe he's your opener. Maybe he goes an inning. I don't know. I'm just. The Mets are going to have so many options, and that's what's going to be really cool for them because they have guys who know how to start games. I just, I do get a little bit nervous about bringing guys in in relief who aren't used to it. That'll be interesting. They're going to need to see more of that from well, McGill's. You know, he'll be back soon, hopefully, and um, obviously Peterson as well. But uh, I think they have so many options that it's going to be a really good problem for Buck to have to solve this. T, you look like you wanted to jump in. Did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I really, I had a question for you both to wrap up the Marlins discussion. And first, I did want to mention how this series was fun in the sense that it was the series of firsts. You didn't just have Nito with his first bomb of the year and a Marcana in game two with his first grand salami. And credit to you, Joe. You mentioned in our previous episode how the Mets have done so well against Pablo Lopez all year and they get eight earned on the guy. That was just spectacular exactly what you were hoping to get and then you saw even Brandon Nimmo with his first stolen base of the year in game three so a bunch of firsts for the Mets which was cool but my question to both of you starting with you Joe is do you think the Mets offense is officially back I know I had it in the title of our last uh, episode but I want to mention it now because if you look at the doubleheader of the Pirates they scored 15 runs only to two in which the Pirates scored. Yes, the Mets didn't do well in game one of this series. It wasn't just because of some bad double plays, some poor bullpen management, which I'm going to expand on further when we get a health updates because they go in hand. But you see them, they score 11 in game two, nine in game three, outscoring the Marlins 20 to six. So, Joe, starting with you, after seeing what the Mets are finally able to start to do against lesser teams, would you say that this offense is finally going to start to be in a groove here as they have this long homestand coming up against both the Cubs and then a four-game set against the Pirates? Yeah, I think they're back. I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't need to mince words on this one. Look, Lindor just had a great series. He's heating up. I think that, you know, because they're so confident in their ability and I, maybe in the, you know, weakness of their schedule at the moment, Marte is going to get the proper rest. And I think he should come, you know, back and resume where he left off. We saw Lindor when he had the similar injury, obviously had the worst month of, of uh, his season. Marte is getting the rest. So I think when he jumps back in, he'll be chilling. McNeil's been great. You know, Pete right now is the biggest question mark. Nimmo has been great. I think the offense is definitely back. I think what's nice right now about Pete going through a little something is that the rest of the offense is going. And so he doesn't have to keep the weight on his shoulders. You're going to be able to have a conversation with Pete and say, Pete, look, man, like we got you. Like you don't have to do it all, which is what it felt like. And I think that's why he started to get into a little bit of funk because he saw those around him struggling a little bit, okay, I got to do more. And you, when as soon as you start to do that, you lose yourself. I think he's going to be able to pull himself out of this a lot faster because he's seeing his guys go out there and do some things. So I, I think it, it's, a, it's a natural progression for him to come out of this much faster. 
Yeah, no, that that's a great point. As long as this offense continues to thrive, it feels like it's inevitable that hopefully sooner than later, Alonzo will break out again. He had that home run in game one, but it's just it's been a consistency level for him for easily over a month now. But I, I think that's all that really needs to be said on the Marlins series. So now let's pivot into the team that did not win two or three over the past couple of days, which is the Atlanta Braves. And I want to share this quick for people on YouTube, especially to give a live look on how Braves Twitter is feeling. You know, they were a half game up. You saw MLB tweeting about it i even i even read about the mets went from having 150 days in first the braves just won now back a game and a half at the time of recording this and this was just a brilliant reaction by i would say the frank fleming of braves fans and digital champion who's a content creator so just just take just take a look at this especially if you guys are watching on youtube and then we'll go from there God, if Jansen closes another fucking game for Atlanta, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind, man. I'm literally going to lose my... Smith, you stupid old motherfucker. Like, I get it. You're like in your little old school ways. But how fucking stupid if you got to be sitting up there with sunflower seeds to watch this stupid fucking bastard roll out there. It's blown save, blown save, blown save. Like, fuck, man. Like, you keep sending him out there. Like, he, you sent him out there just then... Knowing goddamn well his ERA was fucking higher than a goddamn stoner at a concert, and sure enough, boom, boom, and we lose. If like, like goddamn it, I'm about to lose my fucking mind, man. Like it's bad enough that today hadn't been just fucking dog shit, but then we make the most miraculous comeback ever, ever, and you just sit over there and somehow, some way, you figure out a fucking way to blow this one, man. You're like, hey, how the fuck can we blow this one? Just amazingly. Warp Jansen up. Fuck Kenley Jansen, man. You traded for Iglesias. Put him in the night. Send Jansen down to fucking sing lay ball and have that motherfucker serve Chucky G's pizza to the rest of the team. Because he's fucking ass. It's not 2016 anymore. Fuck Kenley Jansen. All right. Now back to you, Rec, with the weather. <laughs> with the weather. Guys, wait, no, time out. I'm I'm we need we need a warm up Jansen shirt. Warm up Jansen. Oh, like that's, I'm that's texting it. the guy right we, now. I'm texting that's the shirt. Right we're we're behind. We've been Jansen. working on trying to get merch for opposing teams too. So write that down I, right now. I'm texting um, the guy. That's it. That's brilliant. Okay. Warm up so, Jansen. So I'm not sure if you guys caught, I'm sure you guys caught the game, but I was watching as I saw, you know, the Mariners in the series finale after winning game two of the series, they were up six, two in the ninth and the Braves did exactly what they'd done so well all year. They get a couple big bombs. They get five runs in the top of the ninth up seven, six, but this guy, Julio Rodriguez, you know, kind of a good ball player, kind of on a big deal now gets that big bomb. And then, Eugenio Suarez, who had that big bomb in game two, gets it in game three. Rick, what was your reaction to see the Braves again have this build up, but unfortunately for their sake and not for Mets fans' sake, fall short? Well, I'll be honest. I, like, you could see this frustration building for Braves fans because I've been watching Jansen actually pretty closely over the last couple of weeks. And he, even though the Braves have been winning games and winning games and winning games, he has not looked good. He looks very hittable. He's throwing, I mean, everything seems like it's flat. It's he's throwing a lot of balls down the middle of the plate. He's getting hit hard. Walking guys, sometimes he loses his command. So you can see this coming. I, the, the thing that um, is interesting for me is this is a fairly young team. Look, they have some veterans. They have some guys that have been there for a while. But they have some, they have some young guys who are a big part of this team. Losing games like that in the big leagues where you 
emotionally, you're everything is in these games right now. This is these are big games. You're getting close to the playoffs. You're trying to win a division. You're playing against a very good Seattle team and a great, you know, atmosphere there in Seattle. And you make a comeback in the ninth inning to go up a run and then to give it up like that, that quickly, boom, boom, done. That that could be very deflating. So for me, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to respond to that kind of uh, of an issue. And it, to me, like, look, th- this team has shown that they can do good things. The Braves have. They won the World Series last year. But it's going to be interesting because that's that's a tough one. They have a different team this year, and can they overcome that? I mean, could be great. It could could be the best thing the Mets could have ha- asked for was for them to do everything they did, get into first place, and then lose two games consecutively with this one coming in that fashion. Yeah, I mean, I've got so many issues with that guy's rant. First off, it's like he's ripping Snicker a new one. Like, do you not appreciate the fact that you guys are still the reigning world champs? Like, the Atlanta Braves are currently world champs. No no team has won a World Series more recently than them. And and you're, like, ripping Snicker a new one, like, acting like he doesn't know how to manage. Look, I don't think anyone's calling Dave Roberts a bad manager. The Dodgers just locked up the playoffs for the 10th straight year. He's got Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning. I mean, like, to me, it's not And he's got one World Series title to his name, even though they've been... Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to win a World Series. Be happy that you won one. I mean, nope. God, we're, we're waiting almost 40 years. Last time we won a World Series, my mom was in high school. Like, you know, it's it's ridiculous. So, you know, for this guy to call it snicker like that, it's like, for me, a big takeaway is that there's just not a lot of great shutdown closers in baseball. And the Mets are even that much more lucky to have a guy like Diaz, who's been absolute nails, the best in the business all year. Because if you look at our competition, and this could help us come the postseason, Jansen in the ninth inning. Uh, Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning, who's a guaranteed at least first and second every time he's he's out there. Um, you know, even – and the guy in the video, he's calling for, like, Rizal Iglesias. Iglesias was doing awfully for the Angels. I mean, I went to a couple games out here, and it's like, I mean, sure, if that's the guy you want, I welcome it. Uh, and to me, it's just like, get a grip, Braves fans. Um, so – I'm not going to lie. Watching that video really made me think of me almost every couple days in 2019 watching Edwin. <laughs> but, Thank you for being honest, Tyler. Oh, Thank you for being honest. 100%. But, yeah, it, it is funny to see because, again, when you look at someone like Jansen right now, he is very Craig Kimbrell-esque for the Braves right now. It is kind of funny how, you know, they swap the relievers Switch in the that teams. sense, right? Yeah. But before we get into the Cubs series, I did want to mention quick some health updates because there are some good ones starting this week for the Mets. And let's deep dive quickly on the latest Mets prospect to be brought up. I want to hear your guys' opinions on him. But we saw Stanley Marte is out with an injury. He's on the IL. The Mets were hoping that they wouldn't put him on the IL. They did, but he's broken finger. Um, he can be activated in the next week or so. However, Buck did um, reiterate that even if that is the case, he might not actually be playing with the Mets just yet. It's going to be a day-by-day thing with him to see because the biggest issue isn't even gripping the bat. It's actually gripping the baseball. So how long does it take for Marte to be comfortable? That is yet to be seen. But some guys will be coming back to the Mets as soon as the time you guys watch and listening to episode 21 of Believe in Queens. Trevor May has been out with not injury but with the sickness. And also that being in um, blanking here, not Trevor May, at least your May. Your May, both of them are expected to return to Mets either this Monday 
or Tuesday at the time of recording this. Tyler McGill looks like he's maybe just one outing away after pitching 12 scoreless, uh, pardon me, facing 12 batters and shutting them all down now in double A and triple A for rehab. Julie Lucchese had a clean inning today at the time of recording this in double A, 1.2 scoreless. He's getting closer to returning before the end of the year. Drew Smith is starting a rehab assignment sooner than later, which is great. So a lot of reinforcements for the Mets, and that's huge because when I look at game one of that series against the Marlins, I mean, I'm sorry, Buck, but we need to stop putting trust in Joely Rodriguez in a one-run ball game in the eighth. I know the Mets offense wasn't great, but you put him in a 4-3 ball game, it becomes then 6-3, and just like that, the Mets are completely out of it. So that's something I'm personally fed up with, and who knows if Joely will stay on the roster down the stretch or not. But with these relievers coming in or the next week plus, they're going to have more options. And not only that, but you also see there you're going to have not just your May back, which is going to help maybe get Pete Alonzo a day off. The Mets are going to have more diversity on how they want to go about their infield outfield alignment. But Mark Vientos, Marky e. V. Joe, do you have anything to say before we get into Mark? I mean, when it comes to Vientos, not so much. Uh, you know, like I said, I missed today's game. I saw he went 0 for 5. You said some at-bats were quality. On paper, doesn't look good. But, you know, he's a kid. And just like, I'll echo my sentiment when it comes to Brett Beatty, right? Like, Beatty coming up was great. Had some good moments. All in all, could have been better. But I'm not looking to Vientos. I'm not looking to Beatty to win this team games down the stretch. There's a reason that they gave Escobar 13 mil for this season in the offseason. There's a reason that they went out and signed Canada. You know, I'm looking for the vets, right? This is the oldest team based on average age in baseball when they're fully healthy. And so I'm looking for the vets to lead the way, you know, not just in the postseason, but on their way to the postseason. So whatever Vientos does, it's gravy on top. Obviously, Darren Ruff, there's no way to sugarcoat this. He's stunk since he's been a Met. He's I got to say something games. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's only played in 20 games and he's got a, almost a negative one war. Like, it's actually hard to, you know, hurt your team that much when you've only played 20 games and you're playing like mainly DH. You're not even out there in the field most days. So, you know, I hope Ruff turns it around because at the end of the day, it's probably going to be rough on the postseason roster and not Vientos. Whatever he does is gravy. I'm not, you know, overreacting to his over five. I'm not overhyped for him. Like next year may be the year for him, but this year it's we're, we're riding with the Vets. So with Vientos, he's the type of guy where if the Mets get any production at all, that'll be a plus, especially with 20 yeah. plus games. And again, it's the beauty of what we were going to say about Beatty, but unfortunately he's out with injury now, the type of schedule that the Mets have for the remainder of the season. Thankfully for Vientos' sake, he's going to not be facing, you know, the best pitchers in the world throughout the next week plus of games, however many games he starts to say DH for the Mets, but it will be interesting to see. Yes, he went over five. Biggest thing with him, he's big swing and miss. He's a big strikeout guy, big ground ball guy. Had in his second at bat, though, first pitch swing, 97 heater all the way at the top of the zone. Was was not far at all from being an oppo home run. So you can clearly see the power and the ability to spread the field. He had his family in attendance. You know, he grew up a Mets fan from not far from Miami. He was born like a half hour away. So it was awesome to see that and got the jitters out of the way. I'm excited for Vientos. Just see what he can do over the next week of games depending on the playing time. But again, when you bring in Darren Ruff and he can't do the simple thing of what he was supposed to be when he was brought in on hitting against lefties, that makes me intrigued to see how much of a leash not only Ruff is going to get going forward, but Vientos to potentially fill that void that Ruff, unfortunately, has not been able to do. So, Rec, what's your take on Mark Vientos and the overall current configurations of the Mets line? Yeah, I mean, I think Vientos, it's not easy to come up to the big leagues and perform right away. Yeah. And I think with – and this this kind of goes along with what I was saying about Pete. When you have other guys around you that are hitting and you don't feel like all the pressure is on you, it's going to make it a lot easier. I think this kid's going to have 
he's going to have games like this. It's going to happen. Like, no big deal. My first game, I went 0 for 4 with three Ks. Like, it's it's not easy to come up to the big leagues and hit. He, you know, came up. He looked like he belonged. I thought his at-bats were fine. You know, it's he's good. Like you said, he's going to swing and miss sometimes. Um, I think I love the fact that you're able to drop him in the order, take the pressure off him, and other guys around him are hitting. So I, I think that's an easy one for him to kind of keep his head, keep himself in it. And as long as he keeps getting at bats like that, it, things are going to turn around. Like he's he's always hit. He's going to eventually hit. So uh, I think it it can only be positive to the Mets. You get to see what you have. You get to see what you have in him, and you get to see what you want to do come playoff time. Because realistically, that's what this is all about. When you made your debut, was that the game that Russell Martin was catching, where he stole a strike from you first uh, first pitch? That was your that was your debut, not just your first game against like Russell. What Martin. a schmuck! We need to send that him was, a shirt. That My was God. a rough debut. Yikes! Hey, did you at least yeah, get grounded out at the clubhouse? Or? I I grounded out. Did I did I? I don't know if I said this on here. Or not. I grounded out to Jorge Posada. So <laughs> Jorge Posada was catching that game. Uh, I'm sorry, not catching. Was DHing that game or something? I don't remember. Maybe actually, he might have even just been on the bench. I don't even know. They put him in at second base because he came up as an infielder, and this I, I believe 2011 was his last season. So he in the minor leagues, he was an infielder. They converted him to catcher, um, or maybe when he was younger, he's an infielder. Whatever. He wanted to play. He wanted to play second base. Like he wanted to get an, an inning at second base. So, so I think it was Girardi at the time put him at second base, and in my last day B, I grounded out. To Jorge Posada, I think it might have even ended the game. It might have been even been the last out of the That's... game. Swish was on. Swish was on first. I know Swish. I, I I hit the ball to second. Damn it! I'm running down to first, and Posada fields it, throws the first, and I always ran hard, so I'm running hard. Posada throws like a bad ball. Swish like dives over, lays out. He's laying on the ground, he, but he keeps his foot on the bag. I like jump over him as I'm going. I look down at him, and he's just like, "Don't kill me!" <laughs> like it was. It was funny, but yeah, I grounded out to Jorge Posada in my day de- in my debut. Isn't that awesome? So you, you had three Ks and a ground out to Posada. Mm-hmm. What a I walked once. Iconic. I walked once. I, I love there you, man. You go. I'll juice you anytime I can. That might be the worst like debut ever. Three Ks no, and a ground out to Posada. No, but that's not even the worst part of it. That's not even the worst part of it. That's like that's not even close to the worst part of this game. So we jump up seven to one. We're up seven to one in Yankee Stadium. Rich Harden's on the mound. I'm happy as to be like, oh, I'm about to win. I'm about to get a win in my debut in Yankee Stadium. It's the third inning, fourth inning, whatever. Like, we're up 7-1. They scored 21 more runs in those last <laughs> oh, six innings, five innings. They hit, they hit three grand slams. It's a record. That is in that, that game. There's something from that game, the scorecard, whatever. In, in Cooper's town. Probably has my name on it. Awesome. I gave up three grand slams and 22 runs in my debut. Yes, that is true. Uh, that my, I'm literally crying. I, I'm not going to throw any under, anyone under the bus. I'm just going to say that it was uh, literally the game ended. I had three Ks. I gave up 22 runs. We obviously <laughs> lost. Like, it was not good. <laughs> I, yeah, I go back to my locker, and all I'm thinking, like literally, all I'm thinking is, that was great. I got to be in the big leagues for a day. I'm never coming back. They are never letting me back in here. I'm done. And I was just ready to, like, I thought that was it. I thought that Did was Did you get favorite. sent down after that or no? Uh, no, no. Okay, good. good. I don't know. Oh I don't God. know why. I need to watch next the highlights game, of that game now. Holy next shit. game we lost in Boston, four to nothing. 
and that 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 I caught that I played. And then the next game I played, uh, we had a shutout in Cleveland, and I was like, okay, okay, we're okay. It's off the bat. I only gave up yeah. four runs in Boston, and I gave up nothing to Cleveland. Like we're good, we're good. I'm okay. <laughs> so, so and this is the last question about about your debut, but not to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Were you calling pitches yourself, or were you getting them from the dugout? Not anyone no, in particular. Calling, the dugout. No, I was oh, calling pitches. I was calling pitches. We we had 13 walks. I'll just leave that there. That's that's usually not a recipe for for a win. Not good. That's, that's brutal. Not I good. mean, I had three today, so I get it. You know, <laughs> not not happy with that. <laughs> Twenty-two runs. I'm sorry, I can't get over that. Three grand slams. That's wild. Do you know who Only hit the grand slams? Ever. Hmm? Do you remember who hit the grand slams? Please don't say Posada. Russell Martin, Curtis Granderson, and Robinson Cano. I, I believe those were the three. If I'm, okay. If I'm remembering correctly. All right. Fair. All right. So there you go. A couple Mets. One one Met we love. One Met not so much, but a couple Mets in there. Hey, we've got one more series this week before our next episode. The uh, I'm struggling with the 22 runs. The Mets are taking on the Cubs the next three days. And uh, we've got another former athletic on the bump, Chris Bassett, who would not have given up three grand slams if he was pitching for Oakland in that game. He's been ridiculous. His last 14 starts, I mean, you know, we say this every episode. It's like Bassett's last 12, Bassett's last 13. Last 14 starts, he's 9-3. and three. The team's 11-3. and three. His ERA is 2.3. Uh, he's averaging six and two thirds innings per outing, which is so, so important to this team right now, especially when we talk about the bullpen woes down the stretch. Uh, he's going nearly seven every time he's out there, going 100 plus pitches every time out there. He's actually averaging exactly 100 pitches per start in those last 14. He's um, he's he's among the MLB's best this season. I think he's top three or four and like yeah. average pitches per game. Like he's, yeah, it's he's like Alcantara and then Bassett's right there yep. in that next group. Uh, so he's been nails going up against the kid Javier Assad in game one, uh, like Bassett throws about six or seven pitches mix of a few different fastballs, cutter, sinker, four seamer. It's only going to be his fourth career start. Not the best velo sits with all those fastballs, like 89 to 93 with the variation of them. I mean, to me, this is a game where Bassett, you can argue has maybe been our surest thing for the better part of the last, I don't know, three months. And the bats are awake 20 runs last two games. To me, this is like a great game to go out there and win the first game of the series. Two series in a row, they've dropped game one. This is a great game to just keep the winning streak going and uh, stay in first and get back on track. What do you guys think about the start of the series and then obviously Jake in game two and then a question mark as to who's pitching game three? Um, I'm, I'm going to take this one first, Tyler, just because okay. th- this is as easy as it gets, guys. The Cubs are awful. They're, they're a really bad team. They had a nice little like 10 or 15 game run two or three weeks ago, like they, they looked okay. They looked okay in that 15 game run. This team is bad. They're really bad. They don't pitch well. They don't hit well. They got a couple guys who get in power, but Wilson Contreras is out. I don't think he's going to be a part of this series at all. Um, what, like, I'm sorry. You need, you need to win. You need to take the series. You should probably sweep the series. So that's all I have to say. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. This team is they're 23rd in runs scored. They're 23rd in ERA in the big leagues. Like, and and they, they've got a lot of young guys. Like Nico Horner, Horner came out of the game tonight. I know this is a couple days from now, but uh, he came out of the game tonight. So I don't like. I don't even know if he's going to be a part of the series. He's probably the best hitter in that lineup, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So yeah, look, I, I I don't see there being any issues. You need to win these games. 
Period. Wait, Horner, Horner's out? He came out of the game tonight. That's all I know. Oh. I don't know why, but he came he, out of everyone, the game. Everyone's got Tampa Bay Dallas on their screens. No one's paying attention to a Cubs-Giants Sunday night game. I, I also, big advantage for the Mets, by the way. Cubs traveling after a Sunday night game. I know they're coming from Chicago, not like they're coming from San Fran. But still, you know, Sunday night baseball and then a travel day, that's an advantage for the Mets. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that really needs to be added here. Exactly. The Mets should yeah. realistically sweep or at minimum win two or three. I mean, to say my frustration level wasn't high after dropping that series against the Nationals. I mean, this is the t- same type of feel over and over again. The Mets need to make sure that they get the job done, have Compton offense. I want to see them averaging hopefully five plus runs each of these games. Do exactly what you're supposed to do. And again, as fun as it is to rag on the Braves while we can for like the first time in forever, the Mets control their own destiny as we say at, at the end of every single pod just make sure that you finish up this stretch of games now again not just the cubs you got four against the pirates that we'll get into next episode and then you have milwaukee whoop the effing do and then nothing really matters matchup wise other than the braves from a competition level so act like that act like the team yeah. that has been able to dominate these past couple days against the marlins that doubleheader against the pirates perform as expected and this team will be in good hands when they eventually match up against the Braves in the final week of the season. Yeah, less no pitching for me. You know, Bassett, I mentioned Assad and, and his arsenal. He's got a pretty good ERA through three starts, four appearances. Uh, but on that cutter, which he throws exactly a third of the time, 370 batting average against. Ooh. So, you know, I had a coach in college who used to – his email signature was look fastball and adjust. I would say with Assad, look cutter and adjust. 370 opposing batting average there. Like Jake, game two against Adrian Sampson. Uh, eight plus Ks in six straight starts for Jake. If you're a better and you can get, you know, over eight and a half or even over nine and a half, I think it's worth a look. Cubs strike out among the 10 most frequent teams in baseball. Tyler, you don't seem to like that bet. No, 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 no. Joe, I was, I was going to say for the series, how much are you dropping on the my line? <laughs> like, seriously. I mean, well, you, you know, I put over a grand on him yesterday with Cookie on the bump and that one cashed in. So that was the. There we'll you go. see. We'll see. Wrecker's like, you're you're an idiot. But yeah, I mean, you know, and it wasn't even because Cookie, because obviously, you know, he gave up a bunch of runs against the Nationals, even though one was earned. It was just Pablo Lopez. I saw Lopez was pitching, and the Mets have chased him his first two starts against him this year with like five or six earned each start. I saw Lopez on the bump. I was like, give me the Mets for like 1100 So Yeah, I won, know, I, won, just... I won I won 100 bucks on a six-leg parlay in game two. I'm, I'm feeling good. There Five we go. Hours. There we hey, go. Okay. You're, you're good at the low risk, high reward stuff. And, yep. you know, uh, my life is just high risk. And there then the final game of the series. And, and this is probably the last question I have about the Mets Cubs. Uh, Smiley's going for the Cubs, just a seasoned vet, been around a long time, yep. you know, really works that curveball over 40% of the time there, mixes in a sinker cutter. Just he's a contact pitcher. He's done a damn good job. Three of his last four starts, he's gone six or more innings, allowed one or fewer runs. So, Smiley, you know, this, if there's a game that the Mets drop, it would probably be game three. There's indecision on Buck's part about who's going to start, Peterson or Williams. So this is my question. I think it should be Williams, just because I think Peterson, now we've reached the point in the season, Scherzer should be back in about eight, nine days. Peterson needs to get used to coming out of the bullpen. Did it a couple times, didn't do it well. So, Rec, what do you think this Wednesday game against the Cubs, end end of the series, hopefully we're up 2-0 at this point. Williams or Peterson, who would you like to see start this one? Um, look, normally I would break down the opposing lineup for this, but all I'm going to say is I expect to see Peterson in the bullpen in the playoffs. So why not start now? If you're going to let Williams go out there, if he goes two, three, four, I don't care. Have Peterson ready to come in, let him go one or two. Then you get into your bullpen. Problem solved. Easy as that. 
Yeah, I'm with you a thousand percent. Could not agree more. I mean, you know, like you said, there's no need to break down this lineup. It's not a good lineup. So Williams has done better against, you know, better lineups. Like we saw what he did in a spot start and doubleheader against the Phillies. I think he can give us four strong against the Cubs, hand it over to Peterson for hopefully, uh, hopefully a couple out of the pen. Guys, that, that about does it for episode 21 of Believe in Queens. But Tyler, I know before we wrap it up that there was something that you were dying. You wouldn't tell me before the show what it was. Some stat, some uh, some stat, some story, something that you were dying to get off your chest before we wrapped it up. Yeah, this is just completely random. And it's only valid at the time of recording this. So it won't be valid for everyone that's watching and listening to this now. But I want to throw to you guys. Um, she found that today, again, 9-11 is the only day, like this year, 2022, where if you go on your calculator on your phone right now, if you type, the, if you type, uh, pardon me, the year that you were born plus 22, um, fuck, now I can't do math. I'm going to mess it up. Hold on. Well, hold on. For, for the record, you can never do math. I mean, no, it's just exactly. That's why I'm a content creator. Here we go. Um, the point is, is that no matter how you go about your birthday in your calculator, it's all always going to come out 2022. And I'm pr- I'm trying to think on how it does. So, like for example, if you do uh, like for me, 2000 plus 2022, that's going to be 2022. And then I think it is. Hold on. Tyler, you're losing us here. No, I, I had it and I lost it. I literally there there was there was a whole breakdown on it, but I, I just even... added up my birthday and it's 2023, 6 1998. I got I got 2023. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I messed it so up. So you add up Joe's birthday and subtract one and you get 2022? I, again, I, I don't know. I don't know. I had it, I lost it. Reg, you, what's your birthday? Eight plus... What my birthday? You're, you're, yeah, August twenty <laughs> what? Nine. August 29th. Oh, my mom's anniversary. Um, 19. Here's the one. I meant this one. 83. 1983. That's 2020. So we're all ballpark here, Tyler, but. I had it and I lost it. It's okay. It's all right. Now now the Mets are not going to win a game the rest of the year. I know. I know. Blame it on me. Blame it on my mother. She's watching. She's, she told me. I want to try to figure this out now. I want to know what this is. I'm a weird numbers guy. Off air, I'll send you guys the group chat exactly how to do it. And maybe I'll drop in the comments below for people on YouTube. For people on audio, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave you going crazy. But that's why I want to throw out there. But, again, I wasn't expecting to talk about it. So, I, like, forgot how to properly do it. Because, again, short-term memory, that, that is me. So, there, that there does you it. go. Believe in Queens, episode 21. Go follow Tyler at WardyNYM. Go follow my man, Anthony Recker. He's got that blue check mark. I can never remember, you know, your Instagram versus your Twitter. But if you see the blue check mark, it's him. Catch me at Joe Sorallo on Instagram, at the Joe Sorallo on Twitter. And in two weeks on Stadium Network, twice a week, talking bets. Speaking of which, Tampa Bay minus two and a half, my lock of the day. It looks good. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.